Well, it is uh, an absolute joy to be with you again this week. Um, but it's also a joy for the first time I get to, to uh, lead you in God's Word. And uh, I'm just really, really excited to be here. Um, it is, for those of you who don't know, Harry and I moved a week ago last Wednesday, so not this Wednesday, the Wednesday before. We are still in chaos. Um, but uh, I'm so, it's so good to be here. Every time we walk around where we live, we, we say things like, this feels like we're on holiday because all the houses are so new. But also I say things like, I think I've just gone through a red light because there's so many roundabouts. We're getting to know this, this new area, um, but we're loving it. We really are. And today, though, aside from me loving this new area, um, Welcome to you all as well, second week here, gathering as a body. I know some of you uh, gathered together um, in Matt's house um, before lockdown happened, um, but welcome all of you um, on behalf of Telford Minster. It's great that you're here today. So we are now in a, in a sermon series on identity, and today we're thinking about being chosen and what that means before God. But I think with chosen, you also have the opposite, which I think is rejection. Because you might be chosen for something, but also rejection. You probably remember those times in PE at school where you're all lined up and you were chosen to be on the football or the netball team. And like, I was normally the person choosing them. I was quite good at netball. But I always felt for my friend Ellie, who was normally the last person to be chosen. She wasn't very good at it. Rejection is part of our everyday lives. Now, there is a rejection story in my life that was one of the most wounding things I went through. I was, I was privileged enough to be able to go to university, and at university um, nowadays, you have to very, very quickly decide who it is you're going to live with. So you, you're thrown in a house with a load of people you don't know, and then within about four weeks of being together, you've got to think about who it is you're going to live with for the next for that year and the year after. And I was thrown in a house with 11 other girls. And you cannot, those of you who've had teenage girls, you, can, you, can prob you probably know what that might be like. It was a bit like get your claws out. It, was, it, it, was, it wasn't very pleasant. I used to come home and if I hadn't done my washing up, this girl used to go and put them on my bed if I hadn't locked my door. It, it was passive aggressive. But when we were deciding who, who we were going to live with, we all put our names in a hat of two people we wanted to live with. And nobody put my name in the hat. And that felt horrible. I almost sat there in front of these 10 of the girls, trying so hard not to cry, because I was like, well, what am I gonna do? So I text this girl that I knew, that I kind of knew off my course, and just said, please, can you phone me? I need to get out of the room. I need a reason to leave. And uh, she phoned me, I cried hysterically down the phone for quite a long time. I didn't know how I was gonna face these girls because I just decided they all hated me, but nobody wanted to live with me and I felt complete and utter rejection. I felt unwanted and I felt really, really lonely. But there is one person though that will never, ever, ever reject us. And that's God. I didn't know that at that time, really. I knew about Jesus. I went to church, went to youth group, but didn't really realize the significance that God had chosen me and living for God. 
In the passage we're looking at today, it's speaking about being chosen. If you've got Bible, um, it's Ephesians 1, 11 to 14, if you just want to find that. But it might be good to have all of, um, it might be Ephesians 11, and I haven't copied and pasted this. You'll soon find out when I start reading it, but have the whole of that chapter. So it starts with this. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the person of his will, in order that we who were in the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possessions to the praise of his glory. That's quite a lot of big words there. That's the NIV version of it, the New International Version translation. I'm going to read it from a paraphrase from the message because this is a little bit more like God's wrapping his arms around you when you hear this version. This is the same, but a different translation. And it says, It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had his eye on us, had designs on us for our glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. It's in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed it, the message of your salvation, found yourselves home free, signed, sealed and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This signet from God is the first instalment on what's coming, a reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us, a praising, glorious life. Now there are some big claims here from our big God, and it might be helpful for us to really understand what is going on here. And so I'm going to explain a little bit about what this passage is, what's going on in Ephesus, which is, so this book, um, this book of Ephesians in the Bible was written by a man called Paul to a group of people um, in Ephesus, which is a place in, um, it's now in modern day Turkey. You can go there on holiday if you'd like to, but maybe not at the moment. So, you've got two different groups of people here. That's all you really need to know. We've got the Jews and the Greeks. And the Jews didn't believe in a linear kind of time, like Monday to Friday, 2015 to 2020. That's not what they believed. Rather, they believed that God works through time and relationships and moves through history and stages and context to a climax. He will gather back the eternity of the universe and absorb it back. And Paul makes the case here that everything is gathered to his will. The eternity of the universe is filled by God's rule that all things will come to God's will and ultimate purpose because he chose us. Christ has designs for our glorious living, plans for our purpose, and God chose you. You are chosen. That's our identity and that is who we are. Just think about that for a moment. Just think about that for a moment. You are a chosen person, that you didn't just happen to be on this earth. That God chose you for who you are, for what you do. 
He wanted you. That verse of, he knows every single hair on your head. God wants you. God chose you. He doesn't reject you. He wants you. And this topic was as important at the time of the Ephesians, at the time of Paul, as it is for us today. We're in such a similar world to Ephesus. We live and work in ministers in a culture that's saturated, that's filled with philosophies, religions, and worldviews. How many times do people say to you, you don't need God, or you, need, you don't need God because you need money, you need good grades, you need this job. Perhaps it's that you, you, need addic- you have addiction, and that's what's filled you. That is what you thought was the way of your life. That's what you thought was chosen for you. This is what it was really like in Ephesus as well. People poured their identity into all sorts of things, and we do that today. We put our identities in how we look, in how much money we earn, who are we friends with, where is it that we live, in all sorts of different things. And sometimes people put those identities on us for us. That's what Matt was saying last week. And that's not very helpful or very kind either. We are designed to find our fullest satisfaction not in front of a mirror, not in what somebody has already said for us, but in front of God. Yes, we live in a culture sceptical, if not overtly hostile towards the gospel and the things of God. But we can change that world by being who God chose us to be, by spreading the gospel and telling others the good news. That's what I feel I'm called to do as I've come here to Telford. In this passage, though, Paul is writing this because in the midst of uncertainty and opposition and trial, Paul wants us to feel the security that, we, that is found in Christ. The security that we are chosen. But you might be thinking, what does this mean? I don't like the fact that I'm chosen by somebody. I don't want to be on that team. But I think it's probably the best team. It's the best, it's the best person you want to live with, really. I'm going to be honest. But to be chosen means that we are picked out by him because of our relationship with him, with Christ because of what he did for us on the cross some 2,000 years ago. Our divine election means he wholly chose us, not by merit or by worth, but just because of his pure and perfect purpose and knowledge, which we do not deserve. God didn't have to choose us. God didn't have to create this world. He didn't have to do all the things he does for us. But he does it because he loves us. Because he chose us and wanted this to happen. He predestined, which basically means determined before. Before we were alive, before we even knew, before our our parents, our grandparents, our great, 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 great grandparents. And you might be thinking, man, how can can this be when he's God? And that's the point, really, is that he's God. And this God, this eternally sovereign, eternal man, um, being, sorry, that is not bound by time or our feeble choices, this being, this God, has a plan for us. And he chose us. But sometimes this plan doesn't always make sense. The situations in our lives, we will look at them and thinking, 
I'm chosen by God, this God that's going to provide all good things for me. But that situation doesn't really make sense. I, I can't explain that. I can't tell you why life isn't always easy. And there's some, there's some pretty awful things where I've sat there and gone, God, how can this be? But I don't understand that. But what I do know is that God has a plan for us and he's given us hope. We have the hope and trust and confidence in Christ as our hope in all things. And that may be easier said than done in a world of coronavirus, a world where friends and family people we know die at such a young age, where there's terrible things going on all around the world. That might be easier said that things happen, that God has a plan. It might be easier to say that than hear it or believe it. But in the Bible, we do see evidence where God has chosen people and then things have happened and they don't really know why it's happening in that moment. But great things do come of it one day. So I'm going to take us back into the Old Testament, a book that, you know, that's the the front half of the Bible. And that is some stuff in there that people go, whoa. How is that relevant to us today? There's a lot of people who get killed, a lot of people who give up on God, turn back to him, turn away from him, come to him. It's, it's a bit of a roller coaster of events, is the Old Testament. But in it, we have some people called the patriarchs, and they're just some important people to look to. That's all you really need to know about them. And these people, um, there's, I'm going to talk about Abraham, Sarah, Jacob. These are names you're going to hear now. So one of the people God chose was Abraham, and he chose him to be a father of a great nation, even though he was advanced in years and married to an infertile woman. God chose Jacob to inherit the promise, even though he was the youngest son. God chose Leah, the wife who was not chosen by Jacob, to be the mother of Judah, ancestors kings, um, the kings and Jesus, and Levi, ancestors of the priests. God chose them because he knew they would be faithful and trust in him. These people didn't have the easiest time and they probably thought, what are you doing, God? I don't get this plan that you have for my life. But what we know is that none of the patriarchs, although none of them saw the fulfillment of God's promised land, they continued to have faith in him that his promises would be fulfilled for their descendants. From Abraham, the whole world would receive an everlasting blessing through his descendant, Jesus Christ. But he didn't get to see that. But God did fulfill all of his promises, because he always fulfills his promises. Despite all the mistakes, the failings and detours made by Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, Leah, and Rachel, God kept his promises and they were fulfilled. And this continues through the stories of Abraham's descendants up until the birth of Jesus and continues to us today. God promised me a year ago or so that I was called to come to Telford. When I um, told my husband that I felt this calling to come back to the Midlands, we had a bit of an argument. I'm sorry, Harry, I don't know where you've disappeared. Is there? Uh, we had an argument in the car because he said to me, no, you're not. You just want to go there because that's where you're from and that's where your mum and dad are. And I said, no, I really feel we're called to come to the Midlands, that God has chosen us for here. The next day we had an email uh, asking us if we'd come to the Midlands to start a church. So 
he was wrong. God was speaking to us, God chose us, God had a plan for us, and here we are now. You too are chosen people. There's a song by uh, Nick, and Be- Nick and Becky Drake that goes, and you, and you, and you, and you, and I can't remember what it's called, but that's the chorus, and whenever we used to do it in our old church, our actions were like pointing at everybody, because you too are chosen, and that's the point of it, is to remind you that God wants you, that God has got an, a plan for you. He's chosen you. We are the chosen people too. When we said yes to Christ, He knew that we would do this already. He already knew that we were going to say yes. But he had a plan, had a plan prepared for us, for our good, for our purpose, to do his work here on earth. Yes, that plan isn't always easy. It's not always fun. Sometimes it puts you in a really dark place. But it is God's plan for us, and it is for his will to be done on earth. And it is for his, from his good grace. But it's this same mighty power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honour on God's right hand in the heavenly realms. This same power lives in us today. God chose you. You chose him. You, you said yes to him. But that, that power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that lives in in you today. In the Bible, we see a few people raised from the dead. We see Lazarus as well. But the difference between Jesus and Lazarus is that, and all the other ones that were raised from the dead, is that they actually did die and didn't raise again. But Jesus did raise from the dead and stayed alive and is, is in heaven now. He has the permanent victory over death. He never died again. He is alive today and he will be alive for all eternity. But it's not without purpose. He was raised to permanent life and he is seated at the right hand of his Father in heaven, given authority over every single one of us because he chose every single one of us throughout eternity. And I'm saying all of this to remind you that you're not just chosen. You're chosen by a God. And when you've said yes to him, you have that same power that rise him from the day, dead that lives in you. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that's some pretty powerful stuff. I know that you can't say anything, but I really appreciate some head nodding here. I think it's some really cool, powerful stuff that that is the case. That that lives in us, that when we pray for people, when we pray for God to come and move amongst us, it's that power that we are praying for and into. We are members of a full and complete body of Christ. And we share in his inheritance as the Son of God. He has filled us with himself, which means we too have been given the authority over everything. There is no thing that has the power to defeat us. That's our identity. That is who we are. That's our identity. That's who we are. We are adopted as sons through Jesus Christ, sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, holy and dearly loved, forgiven by the Lord, a royal priesthood, a people for his possession, called out of darkness into his marvellous light. 
We are God's people. And that is what it means to be chosen by God. Some of you here may not know that you are chosen by God. Some of you may know it loud and clear. And some of you might have just needed to be reminded of that today. But if you haven't chosen, no, if you do not know that you are chosen by God today, please don't leave this building without being prayed for. I'd love to pray with you. When we were, a group of us were praying beforehand, they'd been praying for this service beforehand, and there was a few things that came out of it that we felt God was saying to people here today, and is a message for you guys. Some of you here may have accepted Jesus into your life, but you don't root yourself in Christ. Some of you may have been rejected by the world, be rejected time and time again, have put your identity in all these things that have rejected you. But you haven't turned to Christ. And the other one is that, this is a really strong one that we felt God was saying, this is about strongholds. That you've built up strongholds that don't let God in. That you've just, you just built up these walls And you've not only chosen to not let God in, but you've chosen to not let anyone in. Perhaps that's you too. But I want you to be left with this. In a world that so often rejects us, even when our identity is rooted in it, there is a God who chose us. He chose you here to be here today. Going back to the story I shared at the beginning. The person I text, um, and I eventually went to her house, well, her little flat room thing that she had in student accommodation, and because of her, I went back to church. Because of her, I was re-reminded that I was chosen by God, and actually, God's plan for me was not to live with any of those ten of the girls. It was to live with a group of Christian women. And those women reminded me time and time again of who God chose me to be and and put me, reminded me of the plan that God had for me. So if you're in a weird position as well at the moment and you don't really know what's going on, trust in God's plans for you, even when you don't really understand what it is that's going on. I'm just going to pray for us. But if you do want prayer, um, I'll be at the front. I think Harry will be too. um, And we'll, we'll pray with you. Um, But also, if you don't feel comfortable, don't leave without prayer. Or do message Sarah in the week if you um, you still want want to have a chat with somebody as well. Don't feel afraid to talk with us. And we're here for you to support and love you. You're going to play Who You Say I Am. And I asked them to do this because this is about being chosen by God, this song is. And I think it's really important that you just let it wash over you. So let me just finish with a prayer for you. Heavenly Father, um, I thank you that you chose us, that you know us by name, you know every single hair on our head. Thank you for that you called us, that you chose us. And thank you that you died on the cross so that we could have eternal life in heaven. 